The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk. My name is Carrie Charles, and I'm going to be your host today for a fantastic episode. So hope you stay through the whole thing because this is going to be something that you are going to want to hear. So my guest today is William Davidson. He is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for Nextera Infrastructure Solutions. Will, yeah. thank you so much for yeah. joining me today. Thank you very much for having me today, Carrie. Appreciate it. So Will, how did you get to where you are today? I mean, where did you go from? How did you get here? So I was born and raised in New York City. So lived there basically until 2014, but high school and college, I did your sort of standard summer jobs, the ice cream parlor, sandwich shop, intern for a judge in Brooklyn. Right out of college, I worked at a big white shoe law firm as a legal assistant, working crazy hours, hundred hour week, weekend, holidays, missed engagement parties, that kind of stuff, prepared for multiple rounds of federal litigation. Great training in terms of how do you get prepared, that kind of stuff, but hellish hours, right? 40 hour shift, not knowing which way the copying machine is actually spitting the paper out. Yeah, despite all that, I still decided to go to law school, but knowing that I didn't want to go back into that environment, I had the wherewithal to be able to go with five or different things by two summers. I worked for the New Jersey Nets first summer doing partnership marketing. They were trying to build the new arena in Brooklyn and we're trying to sell ad space. So I did that first summer. And then I worked on a Holocaust restitution litigation the following summer through a program at school, trying to help the families and relatives and descendants of French Jews who had been deported from Paris by the Nazis regain restitution for their property that had been taken from them. So while my friends were scrambling for place for law firms, I would serve out doing things that interested me. And that's always been sort of my goal is to go do something that interests me. Whenever that was going to turn out to be in my life, my family runs a small business in New York City. So seeing my dad get up and do something he loves every day was sort of, well, I didn't want to go join the family business was eminently important to me because that you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life or mentality that he was able to instill on me and my brothers. Anyway, I graduated law school and thought I'd be going to sports management on a team side or an agent. Managed to, I wound up working for the New York City Office of Emergency Management as in-house counsel. Worked through a plethora of matters as their attorney, but also held a role as a planning section chief in the emergency operations center and worked through events and emergencies, building collapses, snowstorms, the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and then Hurricane Sandy being the sort of the big kahuna up there. And then moved down to Florida in 2014, wanted to keep doing in-house work. I love the variety that that environment provides you, gives you a very macro view of a business and a couple of companies, knowing a lot about everything while still being involved in some of the day-to-day project stuff. Fortunate enough to get my foot in the door at Florida Power & Light, doing regulatory affairs work, worked on a whole bunch of different docket rate cases, merger and acquisition, and then moved over to Nextera Energy Resources, PL's sister company for the unregulated renewable business, just as the solar and battery 
market was sort of starting to boom. I think our first year, I think we did like 100 megawatts of solar, and now it's like 4,000 megawatts a year that the company's doing of solar. It's just grown incredibly. So I had sort of a position where I was, I was running due diligence, management reporting, forecasting. So again, very macro view of the entire business, sort of looked at as the person who knew where every project stood, give an answer quickly. No, every sort of piece of information that went in or out came through me and my team. And then had a great opportunity to come to help start up a new fiber business called NetCity Networks, which is part of the group. And I moved over here in October of 2021. It's been awesome. This is what I'd be doing though when I was in law school in New York City in 2007, 2008, doing infrastructure work in South Florida. I probably wouldn't have believed you, but it's been an interesting journey. But at the same time, all those experiences, whether it's working a counter or scooping ice cream or making photocopies at two in the morning, helping the fire department find out where they need to go in an emergency to building projects for wind or solar. Okay, now, I've all played a huge part on who I am and how I got here. And our journey, it takes twists and turns, but I do think it's cumulative, right? And I always ask yeah. this question because there's people listening, thinking, what do I do next? And how do I plan my life, my career? How did he get there? How did she get there? So I just love to hear your journey, especially my son just graduated from law school. So yeah. it's interesting to hear how you got yeah. here. They, tell me, who is NextEra Infrastructure Solutions or NIS? Let's go yeah. deeper here. So NIS is NextEra Energy Unregulated Street Lighting, AMI, water and electric meter, fiber, and ESCO business. So we build, own, and operate infrastructure that make stronger, more connected communities. And we do this through those products, but offering turnkey bespoke solutions, right? We don't just come and say, hey, here's how we do it, so then tell you have to do it. Our goal is to come in, work with the customer, whether it's an internet service provider, an energy co-op, a municipal entity, a government agency, a developer, and see what their needs are. And then our job is to come up with a solution that works best for them and not necessarily do it. Just because it worked down the road for one person one way doesn't mean it's going to be that way for the next person. You know, we do this when our goal is to really concentrate on reducing expenses, conserving natural resources through our ownership and operation. We allow providers to reach markets where they may not go themselves because they don't have capital or it's not necessarily in their three-year plan, maybe 10 years down the road that they want to get there, but we can help accelerate to that growth for them. And we do it all while providing world-class customer service for the people who use our network and also for those who are the ultimate end user. So what are your key differentiators? We're a part of NextEra Energy which is the parent company to the largest renewable company in the country, as well as the largest utility in the country. And that size and allows us to be a little more patient with our money. So what that allows us to do, it puts us in a unique advantage because we can deploy long-term capital for these projects and take a lower return. And so we're able to deploy that capital for our customers and partners up front. In fact, NextEra has deployed the six most infrastructure capital over the last few years across the country. Right, all CEO understand we're the largest company you've never heard of. I think that's changing a little bit with now that our new CEO has taken hold. But you know, we operate in the forty-eight states, so we know the regulatory, environmental, political atmosphere of every state. We always have a large pipeline of projects across the multitude of entities we have. Because we have that large pipeline, we also have a large network of vendors, suppliers, distributors who are always willing to work with us on interesting and cutting edge technology and projects, right? We do transmission, we do hydrogen, we do solar, we do wind, we do batteries, we do pipeline, we do fiber and lights, right? right. We do a lot of things, but not just traditional hole and wire 
utility to the home. So there's a lot of interesting opportunities here. So we have the ability to carry caught by the parent level and charge caught to the project when the time is right. And in terms of NIS, we have a process that did one where we put in multi-conduit. We overbuild our network through a multi-conduit solution. So that allows us to minimize labor costs, future-proof capacity, and minimize disruption to the community while we're building. So we're, we're literally, you're only digging up your street once, you're not having each provider come down your street, block the traffic, block the entrance to your business. And we work with multiple partners, providers, and different customer segments. So we can co-build products and stretch our capital and keep costs low for people. I heard you speak at Connectivity Wireless, the event in May, and you talked a little bit about just economic conditions and like your perspective on how inflation and economic conditions would affect fiber deployment. Yeah, I think we've already started to see the market condition impact deployment. Now, money's getting more expensive, capital markets are drying up, funding is getting harder and harder for some of the traditional backers of the smaller, mid-sized internet service providers, as well as the, the big providers. Money and the cost of capital is rising. And we've seen our partners and their investors Flow their funding, and we've been able to help, right? Because of our balance sheet and yeah, the nature of our differentiators that I mentioned before, we have access to a low cost of capital, and our supply chain allows us to help keep their project, those individual projects as well as their pipeline, keep going and staying on schedule so they can meet their goals. We're not immune, and we face some of the same pressures. I think just our size and nature of how we do business to weather it a lot better than a lot of people. You know, we're built to survive any economic condition. So how the leaders of the company have, and the company, right, it's not just like here for the good times, we're here for the bad times. And we plan ahead and make sure the business is being run that way. We have been able to cure some assets of development right recently and maintain those project schedules, which is great because we can deliver those promises that have been made to that community. And that's a big piece of what we're doing here too, right? Working to close that Ensuring that projects aren't being left half built or, yeah, we got a new owner here, but it's going to take another four years to build, right? We come in and we keep the process moving as seamlessly as possible to make sure that benefiting the community and those end users. We build our networks to be future-proof too, because we're allowing multiple customers onto the network and varying segments. I don't need to sell it all now. I can sell some down the line. So my project returns isn't dependent on out the whole network all at once. My capital allows me to survive the inflationary conditions where maybe someone's not willing to commit now. If they want to wait a year or two, my network will be there and designed that they can jump on and not feel that they're using an antiquated product or anything like that. Will you be receiving federal funding? It's clear that in order to reach every home in the country, it's necessary to use grant funding. It's impossible to get down every farm road or every little road in this country and hit every home without using funding. So in those areas that we are targeting, we are looking for federal funding. We'll be using some of it, but it's not our core funding source. We build everything off our balance sheet, or at least try to. We're not the internet service provider. We're not providing service to the end user. So there are some grants that we're not able to go after, just like we can't. I can't offer people ACP funding or those programs myself. But if a partner of ours has received grant funds, it's better to stop us from working with anyone to ensure that the project gets done or that the funds are wasted, right? Our goal is to get fiber to as many people as we can and 
based on the need in that area of, of what we're able to support from our balance sheet, well, that's why we make federal determination. Not necessarily a primary focus, though, to go out to get it. And, and look, that allows us to be a little more nimble. We can go fill a need as people are waiting for grant funding for an area, for a project. We can come in and we can come build a network that is fiber-proof, future-proof, and that helps the community grow then and now instead of maybe waiting to line up the funding and go through the protest period, reapply, and have a map redrawn on you, and, and then find fine labor, right? We can say, look, let's go and go build it. So how do you partner with companies and what are the benefits, let's say, to the partner companies as well as to you, to NIS? Yeah, I mean, we are provider agnostic. That's one of the big differentiators I think really can't be overlooked. Providers now really build a single source, single use, right? They're not going to go out there and say, hey, wireless company one is necessarily going to want wireless company two coming and using their fiber supply competitive edge in that market, right? Because we're provider agnostic, we're not beholden to any one customer or segment. Because we've overbuilt the network, we've got plenty of capacity. So we're able to work across those competitive market lines. So when we put in multiple conduits, we're able to provide not only fiber to the premise through an internet service provider, but we're also able to provide capacity for 5G carriers, the local government, commercial or industrial customers, your utilities, whether it's cooperative or municipal agency or a big investor-owned utility along the lines of FC Health, something like that in another state, we do that for, right? And allowing ourselves to have that multitude of customers, we're able to spread a lot of the cost across that. But in terms of the, we have markets that we look at and we have partners who have projects and markets they want to look at and we market our project and they'll come to projects with us. Hey, what do you guys think of this? And we'll do internal analysis. We can make it work like any other project. We'll go build it. You know, we'll go build it. We'll operate it for them because we're able to go in and leverage other customer segments, whether it's wireless or to government or to CNI. We can lower the cost of board to everyone. And that ultimately helps, helps the end consumer, the homeowner, because there's less money that has to get paid out than our returns based off our capital. So what are the unique advantages to being an energy company? So just for just mentioned, right? We leverage our energy customers as well as other projects that we're building across the country to help expand fiber to the home connectivity and also to help sort of make these communities stronger and healthier, right? There's always a huge pipeline of projects going on here. Next era does a great job of being out in the community, sponsoring, putting those in work programs for wind technicians and stuff like that. And so we fit into that segment and build fiber to those sites. And then we can also bring fiber to the local community. Wind power going in your New York, your Dallas, and your Washington, D.C., right? So not often highways far away in super little areas. So we can help close that gap through a multitude of enterprises. But but as an energy company, we understand the, the need, financial goals of those partners. Our goal has always been to build projects on time, on scope, and on budget. And so we take a lot of those lessons into our fiber projects, right? The skills we all learn working on the utility or the energy unregulated side of the renewable business, we put into place. But working with cooperative and municipal utilities, we understand how they think, we understand the goals that they want to reach, how they want to treat their members. And we understand that ultimately they want to keep costs down, be more efficient and provide good service. And so having that ingrained in our DNA, what we go talk to them about efficient lighting or, or fiber or AMI smart meters, they know that we're coming to them because we've done all this for ourselves, right? We learn a lot from what FPL does, from what Next Energy Resources does, and they know they're getting best practices that's being proven on the biggest stage. As an energy company with the largest renewable fleet in the nation, 
you know, all of our projects are built with efficiency and the environment in mind too. Every reduction in usage reduces emissions or reduces carbon footprint. You know, we just enacted our real zero plan last year and we're continually looking to, to improve technology and our infrastructure so that we can save costs, save commodities, save material, reduce impact on the environment. We have tons of experience linking renewable infrastructure, reducing carbon footprint, connecting EV chargers to the grid, fiber plays a role in that, whether it's demand side solar, small solar plants for just an individual city or, you know, an energy cooperative who we're building a larger wind or solar plant for, we can create sort of a whole renewable ecosystem that can help those other energy customers or private customers reach their energy goal. So it reduces emission, smart meters allows utilities to better track their systems and their waste. Are they missing revenue? Do they have leaks? Cities can encourage battery operated cars and trucks and fleets deploying combustion engines off the road and fiber helps you track everything. So being an energy company, we will consistently touching these technologies and know how to connect them, integrate them into everyone's way of life. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about workforce. What challenges are you seeing? Let's just say maybe industry-wide and then also where are the gaps in your organization with workforce and talent? Yeah. I mean, look, there's $42.5 billion of federal funds. And that's just from the federal government, right? It's not including $5 billion investor-backed investment. I think the total market is three or four times, is expected to be three or four times that over the next five years, which is a crazy number, right? I think one of the biggest challenges is going to be just having enough people who know how to do this, who know how this technology works, and how do the system work, and do they know enough about the technology that they can keep up with technology changing? Are they keeping up on the latest advancement? Is there a new type of fiber? Is there a new type of electronics? Is there a new wireless system that is out there that can change the world or change the community's way of life? But yeah, I, mean, I think ultimately the biggest challenge is are there enough crews? Are there, is there enough of just labor to go build this stuff and build them in the way that's necessary so they work well, right? I mean, it's one thing just to dig a hole and stuff and come. Yeah, I can dig a hole and put PVC pipe in and say that I built it properly, right? But is there enough knowledgeable workforce to go out and build these things properly? One thing, one of our goals is to, by putting in all of this conduit at once, we free up crews to go build other projects elsewhere, right? So we can go to a local government or local co-authors say, hey, look, we can put in the fiber, we can provide it for the internet service provider, we can provide it for you and your network, we can bring, you know, we can build enough to 5G wireless carriers can come in and use it too, but we've just saved two crews from having to come out here. Those two crews can go build another project for you, for me, for someone else, right? right. And so, you know, I think we bring a bit of a solution to that log jam, but my biggest concern, I think the concern for a lot of people in, in the industry, just having enough people to hit goals and to hit project deadlines and, and get the fiber in the ground so we can actually serve the end user. Yes, couldn't agree more. Yeah. What would you say, I know that you utilize contingent labor, and what would you say the advantages are of outsourcing and using contractors? You cannot be the rep speed. Picking up the phone and just saying, here's my need. I'll have someone there tomorrow, right? Like, yeah. although NextEra's got a market cap of 100, and I don't know what to say, I call it $160 billion, right? And I asked, we operate as a startup within the greater framework. And so I may not have the capital constrictions. I'm not running around raising funds or talking to private equity. We try to run a lean team, right? I have a balance sheet I need to answer to. And so we try to avoid full-time headcount certain areas, right? We grow when we can grow. And 
what we can, that we're operating on a lean budget. We know the best way to hit our needs is to go out, outsource, and grab that subject matter expert from a trusted partner who we work with and who we know has provided good, good help in the past. And that person can be anywhere we need them to be almost immediately, right? They're pre-vetted, they're knowledgeable, and being able to just escalate a need and get something done quickly is measurable, right? Yes. Being able to fill a gap quickly without having to wait for some of the internal step timelines of hiring a, a candidate internally. Like our job does a great job, but you know, there's rules and policies and procedures they have to follow in terms of background check. And there's certain times they won't act on it until a certain time and you've got to get the job posted. And if there's a need, we can go out and leverage a labor partner. It's invaluable, right? Our contractors and our partners, they know how to build and design systems, but they also know they also have that expertise. They've been doing it a lot longer than I. I got here in October. I started doing fiber and telecom in October of 2021. And while my background in the company allows me to develop and build projects according to the way the company wants it done, I don't necessarily know the best way to do it. I know that there's someone who I can trust who will tell me how to do it. And now I just have to make sure it gets done. And so not having to worry about getting that person in-house, throwing down my project, knowing that I can call as just say, hey, look, do you have someone on your staff who can help with this? Do you have a team that can help design this? Yeah, well, I would see you in a week or two instead of, it would take me three or four months by the time I got interviews, hiring background, and then up to speed on like how to map your printer. Couldn't agree more. That's a huge part of our business model. So well said there. So Will, how can we reach you? How can we find out more about Nextera Infrastructure Solutions, NIS? Yeah, visit us on our website, w.nextairainfrastructuresolutions.com. It is definitely a bit of a mouthful. You can reach out to me and our team at solution at nextairenergy.com. Yeah, that's an email that we, about four or five people monitor that email on a daily basis. We're out at conferences. You know, we were out in New Orleans at the wireless at the wireless connectivity at NACS in New Orleans. I'm going to be in the Fiber Broadband Association conference up in Orlando in August. We're out there and we're around, but we want to help find solutions for people, whether it's for municipalities, ISP development. We feel that our our value proposition is the second to nine in the industry. So reach out. I'm always happy to talk on the phone, chat, come meet you. Uh-huh. <laughs> to some extent. But yeah, really that, that email and that website are the best way at least to engage us and then we'll follow up in person. Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I will see you in person in August, just like I saw you at ConnectX in May, because I attend probably every conference you do. But thank you for coming on the show. This has been fascinating. Actually, I learned a lot. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate all the help that you give us on all aspects of our job. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Will. You take care. Yeah, I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.